brothers. You love them. You hate them. You love to hate them. Maybe you are one. In this case, let's hope you've been one like one of the following in our stories tonight. This evening, I have some creepy true stories where, thankfully, someone had a brother to come to their rescue. As a reminder, our episodes feature disturbing content and aren't suitable for a younger audience. Our episodes also frequently involve triggering events. If you or anyone you know is suffering, please contact the Crisis Text Line for 24-7 support. Text HOME to 741-741 in the US and Canada, 85258 for the UK and 50808 for Ireland. You can find them on crisistextline.org and they're also available to message via Facebook. A big thanks goes to our contributors for sharing their stories with us. Two are anonymous and our second story is from user man yes. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. This happened about 15 years ago. At the time, I was dating around and I had a few creepy encounters during that time. But this guy takes the cake. He was an acquaintance my brother had met at a bar a few times. And he was showing him around the local area because he was new to the country. My brother set us up because he was apparently desperate for a girlfriend. And I guess I was pretty desperate too. Because we went on a date together. That date was probably the worst first date I've ever been on. I showed up to the restaurant we were meeting at. He was late, which wasn't a huge deal, so I let it slip and we went to sit down. To be honest, I knew from the start I wasn't really attracted to him, but I thought I would be polite and see if we had a nice night. He started off polite too. He held the door for me, pulled my seat out, It wasn't really necessary, but it was nice anyway. Then, when we were sitting down waiting for someone to come and take our orders, I was reading the menu, and he started talking about how much his fiance would have liked this place. That took me by surprise, and naturally I asked about his fiance. He revealed that he had a fiance before moving over here, but he had just left her to move to another country. I asked why they had broken up and he said that they never really broke up as such but he got fed up of her nagging him about various things and just moved away. I really didn't know what to say after that so I changed the subject and started asking him more about himself and where he used to live. He wasn't really very forthcoming. Eventually our waiter turned up and started talking to us. To clarify the next part, our waiter was a man of color and he had an unusual accent for our area. So my date stares blankly at him for a while, then turns to me and says, You understand this guy? I said yes, I could understand him before telling him our orders. After he left, my lovely date continued to shock me. He said, I wouldn't normally leave ordering to the lady, but that brown guy talked really weirdly and I didn't get it. Wow, 
way to tell me you're a racist and a sexist in one breath, dude. Again, I was speechless for a few moments before I got angry with him. I don't remember exactly what I said. It was something along the lines of, Well, I'm not a lady, so I can order for myself just fine, thanks. And why make racial remarks? Then he got annoyed with me and told me he wasn't being racist. He just wasn't used to that kind of person where he was from. I pointed out that he wouldn't have met me if he just stuck to people he was used to in his own country. He did calm down then and told me he wouldn't want that because he's glad he met me. Honestly, I found that a little weird given that I didn't see any way to say that this date was going well and he didn't know me very well at all. But I decided since we had ordered I should stay get my meal, and try to redeem the evening before I leave and never see this man again. So I answered some of his questions about me. Basic getting to know me and small talk stuff for the most part. Then started on about my previous dates. If I was a virgin, whether I would be willing to wait until marriage and then be submissive to my husband or not. It was at this point I realized that I was most likely on a date with a religious bigot, hence the misogyny, weird attitude to sexual stuff, and all of his other closed-minded BS. So I settled for a none-of-your-business-now-I-need-to-leave position. I checked the prices on the menu and left money for my half of the food, plus a tip on the table and got up to leave. He said he didn't see why I was being unreasonable with him as though this had been a normal date, but then told me that I couldn't expect him to take my money, because that was an insult to him. Fine dude, you want to pay for a meal that's not getting eaten, you pay for it. I'm not that mad about spending my money that I'll stop you. So I took my money back and walked straight out. I just assumed that yes, it was an awful evening, but I would not have to see him again. I wasn't even back to my house when my brother started texting me, asking me where I was because my date had called him in tears saying that I had gone off for no reason and he didn't know where I was or what to do. Thankfully my brother was pretty calm about it and assumed that I had left for a reason. I explained everything to him and he was pretty surprised too. After that night we both tried to cut contact. My brother stopped meeting up with the guy and we both blocked the Facebook account we had for him too. My brother also blocked his number because he would not stop texting him asking him about me, alternating between being really worried about me to saying he hoped I dropped dead. Then he started making endless different accounts on social media to harass us. He told my brother he didn't understand why we weren't talking to him. He posted a bunch of weird posts describing me in detail before going on to call me a lot of horrible names. We kept blocking them and moving on. Then the harassment got worse. He either found me and followed me at some point, or got my address from a friend and turned up one day, standing around outside my house, asking to come in and speak to me. When I refused to let him in, he grabbed my arm to prevent me from going in either and started to tell me that he didn't want to let me go because I would never find a man who would love me like he did and that if I walked away from him again, I would regret it one day when I was old and lonely. 
He went on like this for ages and ages while I tried to pull my arm away from him. Before I got fed up of this and yelled at him to get off me and leave me alone, then I kicked him in the shin. He let go of my arm but cursed at me and said I was being ungrateful to him, but I took my opportunity to run inside and lock my door. He started banging on my door, then trying to push it inwards. I was getting both upset by this man and just super fed up of his presence in my life. So I grabbed my phone and called the police, telling them that someone was trying to get into my house. I was told someone would be with me soon, but 20 to 30 minutes later there was no sign of them anywhere and I was getting quite upset because this man was forcing my door and I thought the lock was going to break soon. So I called my brother, who lives nearby, just because I knew he would come, even though I wasn't sure if he would be able to help much. About 15 minutes later, my brother turns up, and after a brief conversation I didn't quite hear outside, the pressure was gone off the door. I waited a few minutes and then texted my brother to see what was going on, and if it would be alright to look outside now. He didn't reply, and the next thing I heard was the police turning up. I went outside to see what was going on. Apparently after my initial call they had received another call from a neighbor saying there were two men fighting on my lawn. I guess this was my brother and the guy since my brother looked out of breath and pretty shook up and the guy wasn't around anymore. My brother explained to the police that he had tried to stop the man getting into my house and then the man had hit him. I told my side of the story and some of the other neighbors were asked what they had seen and were able to tell them about his attempts to get inside my house. Plus there were marks on the outer side of the door where he had tried to repeatedly get in. The police went and looked for him and a few weeks afterward I was called and told that they had found him. But when they wanted me to look at the suspected person it was not the same man. I didn't hear anything else, and I don't know what happened to him. I never saw him again, and so I'm probably safe after 15 years. Regardless, I don't ever want to see him again. Here's one of my stories from when I lived off the grid in the forest of western North Carolina. Some friends and I all lived in these small shacks, essentially a shed with a loft, that were very close together. Living in such a primal and close conditions breeds a kind of deep, trusting friendship that you can't get from living anywhere else. So naturally we did almost everything together. By our little semicircle of houses, there was a railroad track that, if you followed it south, would lead to a waterfall. This waterfall in particular is where everyone would go to get high. It was a normal night, humid, sometime in early July. A group of about six friends and I, Laura, Andy, Nick, and some of Andy's friends that I didn't know that well but recognized decided to walk out to this waterfall in the dark. I was the only sober one in the group, 
so I felt a higher sense of responsibility for everyone, and was therefore on edge and ever aware of our surroundings. Others would walk faster or slower, or stop altogether in a group, so it was just natural and expected that we wouldn't be able to see everyone at the same time. Andy was in rare form, though. When Laura had to stop and use the restroom, he came out of the bushes and scared her, and then ran off ahead behind the rest of the group. This pissed off both me and Laura, since it was such a clear invasion of privacy, and unnecessarily spooky in the already spooky night. Laura and I eventually got to where we could see Andy again, but he was walking by himself, and then slipped back into the bushes without even looking at us. Dismissing it as just him being high, we kept moving forwards. Still not back with the whole group yet, we realized that Andy has followed right in behind us, just far enough away that we can only see his silhouette. Finally, we catch up with the rest of the group and see that all of us are accounted for, even Andy. We asked him how he got ahead of us and beat us to the group when he had been at least 15 yards behind us just minutes ago. Everyone went dead silent as Laura and I realized that whoever scared her when she peed and followed us was not Andy or anyone else from our group. We never made it to the waterfall. This happened when I was about five years old. I have six siblings. You know, big fat Greek wedding. And we lived in a normal, safe suburban area in the Midwest. My mom had always drilled it into my head and my siblings' heads not to talk to strangers, especially adult strangers. She would always say if an adult is ever asking anything from a child, something is wrong. I was playing outside with my older sister. She would have been seven. Our house was on a corner, so we had the main road and then the road leading into the neighborhood. We had just gotten our first family dog. She was a tiny beagle. And we had tied her up to one of the trees. I remember being by the puppy and playing with her by myself for a little bit. At that point, she was only about a month or two old. A gold sedan pulled up along the road leading into the neighborhood and a grown man got out probably in his mid-thirties. He called out to me and it went like this. Hey, that's my dog. No, it's not. This is our dog. Her name's Quirky. No, really, that's my dog. I lost her and I've been looking for her everywhere. Come here, I have a picture of my dog. I'll show you and you can see that it's mine. I distinctly remember taking two steps forward and then all sorts of alarms started going off, and I couldn't say anything. At this point, my sister had noticed and came over, and was standing beside me as I was just shaking my head no to the man. My brother had been in charge of babysitting my sister and I, and must have heard the conversation from inside, because he ran outside and started yelling at the guy, asking if there was a freaking problem. At that point, the man got in his car really quick and sped off. I always wonder how different my life would be today had I been too naive of what horrible things adults are capable of. So I'm super grateful to my big brother who saved my butt 
and to my mom who made me paranoid and for good reason. So, creepy guy pretending that my dog is yours, I'll give you props for creativity, but I sincerely hope we never meet again, and that you rot in hell. Thanks to all the big brothers out there doing good deeds. And a big thanks to our producers for this week's episode. Danielle, Ginger, Mike to the D, Cat, OJ, Devin, Savannah, Pixel Donut, Janelle, Michelle, Diane, Joy, Josh, Shorty, Lauren, Rebecca, Araceli, Kaylani, Hawaii, Obese J, Katie P, Rory, Kaylee, Bradley, Christelle, Brandon, Shelby TX, Lorraine, Courtney, Chris, Heidi, Lila, Jaren, Carol, Holly, World V Bird. And welcome to our newest patron, Julia. If you're interested in becoming a member of the official Nightmare Society Campfire Online, you can find us on patreon.com slash nightmare society. It's a way you can show support for the podcast, or if you're just interested in bonus episodes, early access, and other fun stuff, that's where all that is. There's a few tiers for you to choose from starting at a dollar a month. I am gearing up to release another bonus episode here soon, so it's a good time to join. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time. Sweet.